Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yeah. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll- Bachelor? Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This, this is, is the game, game of roses. Welcome to the game, game of roses. roses. We just got engaged. Ah, this is my fiance. This is my fiance. Say it loud. Now you can scream. This is my fiance. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This used to be Bachelor Clues. Now it is the ghost of Bachelor Clues. After watching what I have viewed on this night, I am deceased. I can't believe what we just saw. I I just, I don't know where to begin with this. I know we have to do it in chronological order. That's how we do these things. But what just happened? What did I just see? What were these things on the television screen before me? If you have not watched this episode, please watch it. It is absolutely insane. It's incredible. There's so much. There's so much that happens. Yes. If you are just listening to our show and you've kind of checked out of Michelle Young's season and you're like, I'll just listen to the podcast, please do yourself the favor of watching this. At least watch the After the Final Rose. Dip a little toe. 
watch that because there are things <laughs> that happened in it that I just I'm still trying to piece together what has happened to me to reality has some rift opened are we in an alternate plane of existence what the fuck is going on here we are in some sort of a fever dream I'm now convinced the simulation is is we're we're reading mean tweets about Clayton our next bachelor the snake is eating its tail and growing a tail and it's just conti- I mean there is no snake anymore it's just a circle of snake there is no mouth there is no tail this is fucking insane and there was a $200,000 prize handed to the fucking ring winner and the lead this is the I'm getting so far ahead of myself I know we have all this to go through <laughs> I can't take this I can't do the show tonight. I know. We're oh so far ahead of ourselves. Right off the bat, I do want to say Caitlin Bristow did an incredible job as host. You know, they put the whole the whole thing on her shoulders tonight. And uh, I agree with you. I think she did fantastically. She had some jokes that bombed. But this is what I give her massive credit for. She's trying. Absolutely still likable. But also she's trying to make this funny. Yes. She's trying to add a flavor to it. And it's like... The whole situation is weird. Obviously, everybody's in masks for part of the time. What about what about the after the final rose was weird clues? I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. It was a perfectly normal after the final rose. I, I still just can't believe this. I can't believe that we're about to talk about this. I can't believe that this happened. All right, let's get to it. I'm sorry, I'm going crazy, but okay. First of all, do we have any business? We of course always have business. We have business. Please, right now, you can go to Etsy.com slash shop slash Game of Roses and you can pick up our brand new shirt. It's a sweatshirt. God damn it. Sorry, it's a sweatshirt. It's not a shirt. I'm okay. A sweatshirt. <laughs> you can pick up our brand new sweatshirt. It has a, a great design by Ella Tolkien of both myself and Pace Case sitting at the bottom of the pit in our respective strange thrones. We're surrounded by all the inside jokes and the things that we've talked about for the past two and a half years. We've now been doing this show that kind of make up the pit, the foundation of it. It's all visually represented in this great design by Ella Tolkien, who did our first uh, 4TRR shirt as well. And we also have a book out called, or it's not quite out yet. It's coming out January 18th. Time is ticking down. I can't believe it. Less than a month. That book is going to be in the world. Less than a month. Changing things. January 18th, 2022. Some people are calling it second Christmas. Can you believe that? Yes, I can believe it. I don't know what that day will be referred to in our lore, but something, because I do think there's going to be a dramatic impact on the game when that book comes out and shit will never be the same after it. I firmly believe that. It feels like we're honestly entering a new era of our beloved game every year at this point. So yeah, why not? I think definitely coming out of the pandemic, like the bubble seasons to me, that is an era. And I think we just ended it tonight. Yeah. And I'm happy about that because I think we're going to see a return. God, I'm just getting way ahead of myself. But yeah, by the way, we already almost did this whole podcast (laughs) before we got on. I know. Clues and I like could not stop. And then we were like, okay, we're just doing the whole thing. But it was just... A remarkable episode. <laughs> we should just immediately start recording every time. But yeah. nonetheless, our book is going to be out January 18th. You can pre-order it now if you go to wherever you get books. We have links to it all over our pages. You can go on Amazon. You can go on Simon & Schuster. You can go on any number of wherever you might want to get your book. Howtowinthebachelor.com. We have all the links. So you can link to the Amazon, the Independents, etc. And we have some contests there that you can check out where you can get some free books and Zooms with Pace Case and myself, autograph books, 
weird merch that we made that never surfaced for reasons you'll understand if you win it. And there'll be one very special prize. We cannot say what it is. Only one person is going to have this. And I'm very curious to see who wins it. It's a $200,000 check. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a down payment for your new house. I can't fucking believe what we just saw. I, I can't believe it. I'm just kidding. That's not our prize. It's something more valuable. I sincerely can't believe what we just saw. I know. I know. I was not expecting to be as flabbergasted by our finale tonight as I was. Same. Absolutely same. So let's begin this Pace Case. Let's do what we came here to do. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. All right. So we open as we always open every episode. There were 10 episodes this season. Not every episode has 10. Some have 12. Some have 13. Some of the older ones had six. This one had 10. I would say it had 11. Uh, there was no commercial in between the end of the finale and after the final rose. They were marked as different things on my recorder. Uh-huh. Uh, well, we'll agree to disagree. You want to give it 11? Fine. I'm going to give this episode 10 a three because they said a three hour extravaganza. What's that? We're going to give you one two hour episode and one one hour episode. I'm saying it's all the same episode, but whatever. However you like to look at it, that's what we had. I'll give you this. Nothing more. Thank you. Thank you for that. We began this three-hour <laughs> extravaganza with an intro, as we always do. We see Brandon on jet skis. We see Michelle saying she's in love with two men. There's a dramatic conclusion, and she didn't know men like Brandon existed. Nate has found his forever person. There's a shower date. Brandon pondering. Michelle doesn't know which person is her person. Michelle's mom questions Nate's readiness for marriage. Michelle pulls some tears. She's never put herself first in a relationship. Nate is terrified. We see the sparklers. We see the suits. We see tears on the beach. And in quotes, a shocking ending you'll never expect. That proved to not be true in any way. It was exactly what we expected from the mm. first night one. I was shocked by the happy couple Kringle. I was shocked by... What they did with Big Polly, I was shocked by a lot of things. The after the final rose portion of this three-hour single episode was definitely a shocking component. But there, I think they're implying here that the it's going to be the end of the season will be shocking. Who she selects will be shocking, and and how that all you know falls apart. And none of it was. We get the intro title of the show, The Bachelorette. They have given it a little Santa hat. There's candy canes. It's a Christmas special somehow. Have we ever seen this before? No, because there's never a season that airs during this time. <gasps> Usually right now they're You're shooting right. The Bachelor. And so all the Santa references, and there are a lot of fucking Santa references in the history of our beloved game. Rest assured, maybe you'll remember one Nick Vial in season 21 traipsing through the snow with then... Uh, who would eventually become the ring winner, Vanessa Grimaldi, as they go into a hut in the fucking Finnish forest and meet a Santa Claus in a hut who gives them advice on love. How could I forget? Didn't we do a state of the game about Santa one time? Yes, I think yeah. we did. <laughs> and here tonight, it paid yeah. off. We got Santa in droves, just piles of fucking Santas. But yes, usually the Bachelor's shooting right now to air in January, but there's not usually a show airing right now. The week mm. before Christmas. Well, the studio is all decked out in Christmas shit. We see our ultimate girl gang is 50%. Just Caitlin Bristow is hosting. Taisha has had a COVID scare. And a bunch of the 
people in the audience are wearing Santa hats. They're randomly smattered throughout. And these people, it's worth noting, are all actors. These are all hired actors that sit in that studio. That's what we have come to learn, at least for this season, because of COVID protocol and things of that nature. I believe that's easier for production to fill the the audience with like extras, basically, like day rate people, you know? And they keep them quarantined for all the live shows. They've just been living <laughs> in that studio since the <laughs> mental... Bristow points out that tonight is very festive, very exciting, and of course, very dramatic. Uh, but Tasha recently was exposed to COVID. We're going to miss you. Tonight's going to be filled with laughs and surprises. We have Polly Claus here, and we see that a member of the production crew, who they often refer to as Big Polly, is now dressed as Santa to be a new role, Polly Claus. And Big Polly Claus was my. Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. I didn't know what was going on with Polyclaws. I thought like, oh, they're going to make him wear a Santa suit and maybe he'll give out a candy cane to some of the audience or something. That's as far as I thought they were going to take this. But as we go (laughs) through tonight's episode, we are going to see they take it much, much further. And Big (laughs) Polly earned his keep on this night. They put this dude to fucking work. And for that alone, I'm giving him my Jorge Moreno bystander of the week. But the performances he turned in each time he was asked to deliver one were fantastic, in many ways better than some of the players themselves. And for all of these reasons, Polly Claus was also my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. I mean, he had a lot of competition this episode. We had the reprisal of the mariachi singer. We had... Yeah. Raul will get to. I mean, a lot of contenders, but it, hardest working bystander in this whole show. 100%. And not to be outshined, though, there were a couple other people there present who were not players in our beloved game this season. Caitlin says, and with us tonight, we have some, in quotes, bachelor royalty in the house. And she introduces two couples sitting next to each other. This is GSJ and Serena Pitt sitting next to Becca Kufrin and the big body trash can himself. These are company players here. We've got literally the hosts of Bachelor Happy Hour and the hosts of Clickbait sitting side by Mm -hmm. side with their respective ring winners, or not ring winners, but their respective chosen people from last season of Bachelor in Paradise season seven. This is all one big money-making machine. Of course, they're going to be there, and we ain't done with them yet. We're going to see a little more of them to come in a grotesque display of power that they can pull the strings on these company players whenever they want. It's unreal. I mean, yeah, we don't see the other two couples that got engaged on Bachelor in Paradise. Nowhere to be found. They're not Bachelor royalty because they don't have podcasts. They got to start podcasts. And we also see that Clayton Aroni is backstage and he's going to be coming out later. They say we're going to get our first glimpse of him as the bachelor on this show. And then Caitlin throws to the show itself. We're going to go back to the finals now. We're going to see what happens. And we see three birds. 
birds flying low over the ocean. Each of these birds is strutting their stuff. But they're not my creature of the week. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. But they set up who will be my creature of the week later. <laughs> I give them a creature of the week assist. Okay, that's not a real thing <laughs> unlike creature of the week. You can get a creature of the week assist in the finals, but that's it. After clues is made up award. All these awards are made up. What are you talking about? We made them all up. No, some of them are real. They're all they're all real. <laughs> okay. Okay. The official awards are real. They're gore royalty. Michelle's in her pajamas on a bed journaling, and she voiceovers about her her two picks. We see Brandon is continuing to reprise Mikey Planeta's tot of a cross necklace outside of his shirt. We see Nate pondering in a chair by the ocean. And Michelle says that last piece is her family's approval. We see her reunite with her family. She produces tears. She tells them, you met Brandon, although Angela, you have not met Brandon, and that she tells them what love level he's on. He love level threed, and it was reciprocated after the early meeting of the family. And Michelle's dad, Ephraim, says, he reminded me of me. (laughs) Yeah, he also says this line, he parrots back that she said earlier in an ITM, she said, Brandon will do anything for me. Her dad, Ephraim, here says that exact line, parrots Mm -hmm. it back that... I can tell Brandon would do anything for her. That is a producer coach line. That's the narrative that they're setting up for Brandon, that he's all in, so head over heels, he would do anything for her, and he's the guy who's going to love her as much as anyone can. We then get our first meeting of the family. It is Brandon. He carries flowers and presents. They kiss. He loads a precog. He just wants to get to the engagement, and he meets her family again. ITMing, he already feels like part of the family. And he does a Kringle for the father, which are swim trunks. He get, he gets some new swim trunks to reference the early meeting of the family. He's like, I don't know if you want to wear those again regarding the swim trunks he supposedly took from the dad. As if there's a penis transfer. Like, <laughs> I think it's that he, he shit all in them. Shit his pants in the hot tub. <laughs> I was trying to power through you. you saying the shitting your pants you were like i know i could tell and i wasn't gonna allow it i'm like no i'm getting this fucking shitting pants joke in here okay <laughs> yes his father had shit in the pants but that was okay for brandon brandon was like that's okay i'll shit in the same pants but then you're not gonna want them back anyway uh <laughs> brandon and the dot the dad then go <laughs> in the other room <laughs> and Uh, the dad says he's thinking of the order to ask these questions. He seems to be pretty set on this one topic, which is that Michelle is pretty doggone ambitious. She has dreams of finishing up her master's, becoming a principal, going against Clues' dark prediction that she would never teach again. Yeah. And this is the first attack we see. All of these things are going to be attacks. This is the Mm -hmm. attack of ambition. And we'll see some other attacks coming. What are the five attacks? I don't have my how to win the bachelor copy handy, but Mm. I believe they are time, location, values, or ideology. Heartbreak. Heartbreak, which can be the values ideology is basically ambition, religion. Are you aligned ideologically about the world and kind of what you want out of life? And kids is another one. And so here we have the values attack. And Brandon says that his mom is a powerful woman with dreams and ambitions, so it doesn't bother him whatsoever. Perfect answer. Perfect. I mean, just to 
say overall the play tonight from these two finalists we got to watch charminants go head to head against 4TRR straight hardcore mm. 4TR style and it was fucking beautiful both of these guys played their fucking asses off there we do have some errors that we will talk about but they're they left it all off the field they left it off the field even the errors they made they were interesting errors they were they were errors because they were trying something at a high level and just slightly missing. It wasn't that they were making errors like stupid plays. They were trying to do things at a, a fucking really, really incredible level and just mm -hmm. slightly missing the mark. So it's hard to even call those errors because they're trying to push the game forward. I just loved everything they did. And it started here with Brandon's answer to this first attack of values where he's like, oh, don't you even worry about that. My mom's ambitious. So I got this. Perfect fucking answer. Perfect. See, I felt it. It it had the resonance to me of like, well, I have a daughter, so I understand that they're people. Oh, interesting. That's how it came off to me, but maybe I'm reading into it. Brandon sits down with the mom, LaVon, who asks about how his feelings have progressed. And Brandon says he found out he was in love with her daughter. She's the most incredible woman. I would definitely move to Minnesota. He's pre preemptively defending the location attack. Uh, his job is actually remote. I want to become a part of your family. And Michelle's mom says, I want that. And then she glows him. I can see it in your eyes that you really love her. That's an eye glow. Rare glow. That's a mom glow, mom blessing. That's a mom eye glow. Bing, bam, boom. And then they get a little <laughs> hug and she says, well, but there is this one other guy. She produces tears as well here. Oh, got mom tears out of her as well. Mom tears. And then she ITMs that she can feel how much Brandon loves her. We then see some one-on-one -on -one time with Michelle and her mom. Michelle sees that he would do anything for her and her mom believes it. She says she wants Michelle to find somebody special as her dad. We see some more mom tears and mom says... She wants the same kind of love she has for her dad, for Michelle. And then she ITMs that she wants a best friend for Michelle. So we're also hitting that narrative. Brandon has been called mm -hmm. the best friend multiple, multiple, multiple times. Then we see the big debrief at the end where we get the group comes back together after the lead and the player have split off and had all their one-on-one -on -one trials with each of the family members. They all come back together in the common room and Michelle's mom tells Brandon that she feels like he's already a part of the family. Brandon gets in some final hugs and then he gets this final moment on a bench with Michelle outside where Michelle tells him that it means a lot that he connects with her family so well. We get a kiss and she ITMs once again that he's her best friend as they make out. This, in my opinion, was about as well as you can play a meeting of the family. He had a Kringle that was not only the, the standard flowers or whatever they bring, food items, but he had this one that was a callback to his early meeting of the family that was kind of a joke. They all mm -hmm. loved it. He was launching precogs left and right. He was getting eye glows from mom. The family <laughs> basically adopts him. They all universally tell him, we want you to be a part of our fucking family. We got nothing from Michelle's sister in this meeting of the family. There was obviously footage left out, but I don't think any of it was probably negative. It was just perfectly played. Brandon like came on to the sister. <laughs> yeah, that's what we missed. But it was also, it wasn't just perfectly played. It was played at such a high level. He's doing things above and beyond here. Yes, mm -hmm. it's a 4TRR game, but like that gift to the dad of the pants, that shit isn't normal. 
That's a notch up. He has elevated a standard 4TRR game here with these little accoutrements, mm-hmm. mainly Kringles. He's a very big Kringler. He loves to Kringle. Yeah. Like he used Kringling, I think, more than we we really haven't seen a Kringler Kringle this much. We saw him Kringle Michelle the bracelet, which she's supposed to wear at the hometown date to represent that she's the one, basically. I mean, you know. Maybe this is his good third audience game that they're like, hey, this would be a really good idea to gift this. But yeah, yeah, I was impressed with everything that Brandon did here. I, he was a player I definitely underestimated at the beginning of the season. Absolutely. I mean, not in either of our final fours, right? Absolutely. I underestimated him as well. I just, you know, for my own preference, I'll always probably underestimate a straight 4TRR player just because it's not flashy. I like the bigger play styles, the ones that are like interesting that do push the game in some direction. And I'm not saying that that he didn't do that, but he only pushed a 4TRR strategy like a little further with massive cringling, with being so 4TRR that like the parents are adopting you as soon as they see you and shit. You know, he really played it at a high, high level, but it's nothing new. We've seen 4TR strategies before. Try to impress me next time. Exactly. <laughs> Portion two begins. We see a crane nabbing some fish in water. We see Nate getting ready as Michelle's ITMing that she hopes her family sees that Nate loves her as much as she loves him. They meet on this path and Nate also has some flowers and a little bag, but we don't see what's in his bag. It ain't shorts, that's for sure. We get a little kiss here and he ITMs that he's not worried about anything. That's the charminance. Terminance still on, and we're going to get very into the weeds about how to play a terminance style in the finals because something has to happen. It has to recede. That confidence that comes with terminance has to recede so that you can be vulnerable, and we get to see if Nate does that or not. Obviously, we all already know if you've seen the episode that (laughs) he does, but Michelle and Nate meet her family. And Michelle ITMs that she wants her family's approval and they see red flags sometimes where she doesn't see them, especially her mom. So we're setting up this narrative that we've already seen in the promo that the mom is going to be the one to identify whatever these red flags with Nate might be. Nate seems to be stumbling a little bit in his intro to them. He says, it's been an amazing journey. A lot of new feelings that I haven't felt before. I'm just really happy I'm here. And Michelle tries to give him his intro after our hometown. Nate shared that he was love level three. And he says, unfortunately, I had not experienced that before. And Michelle says, we've had a relationship that has not slowed down whatsoever. And Nate says, look at us now. (laughs) It is awkward. And they drop a slightly ominous score over this edit, which makes it even worse than it actually is. Yeah. It's kind of like this, like, oh shit, things are going bad feeling is coming from the music. So they're really trying to play us as an audience to that degree. They're like, Brandon, look, he had this great hometown. They love him. They want him as their son. Nate, though, what's going on here? They're giving us a big misdirect. The music works on me because I don't notice. Right. <laughs> I just notice. I'm like, hmm, it doesn't seem to be going well. I don't know yeah. what exactly is giving me that feeling. Nate and the dad have a one-on-one and Ephraim, the father in his ITM says it was a different vibe. Brandon was a warmer person initially. And Ephraim says, I can tell she has these feelings for you and I hope they're the same. And Nate's like, it's definitely reciprocated. I definitely want to get down on one knee. The logistics of everything, I don't know. Oh, 
this this is one of my errors. This was not my error of the game. But Nate essentially launches a location attack here against himself. Unsolicited, he's just like, I don't know where we're going to live yet. But, you know, it's like, what? Yeah. hey, no one was asking that. There's no reason for you to fucking bring that up, dude. It was unreal. An unforced error. So Ephraim, seeing that that attack is already taken care of, he launches his own values attack, again, using the ambition line that he used on mm. Brandon. And, you know, he says, well, Michelle does want to stay in Minnesota. So this is really a chain attack off of Nate's self-location attack. Ephraim chains to that a values attack. It's just a double whammy. I couldn't believe he did this. And I, I don't think it was purposeful. Even though he, in the end, will turn around his entire game, I don't think this was on purpose. And it's a triple whammy. I'm in Minnesota right now. How does that... <laughs> I'm so confused. How does that add to the whamminess? And the data <laughs> ITMs, he has concerns. <laughs> okay. And Nate talks with the sister, Angela, and she says, well, you want to move to Minnesota? Nate's like, "I'm. we're both all about the adventure. I've moved so many times. She's like, oh, so moving is very easy. He's like, yeah. She's like, what about staying still and being content? Nate says, I haven't given it much too much thought. We have a big list of adventures. It's unreal at this point. I'm I'm watching this and I'm like, what in the fuck is going on? His charminess is gone. Yes. He's very awkward around this family. He is nervous, it seems. He seems extremely nervous. But in my head, I'm like, this is fucking Nate Olakoya. He don't get nervous. And there's a part of me that believes no. this is all planned. No. To have a bad meeting of the family, to give her an obstacle to overcome. I... I'm not saying that's what it is. What? I'm not saying it's not what it is. He can't, she, this sister, Angela, uses a fucking location attack. He just fucking had a location attack from the dad. He doesn't know how to handle it again? This doesn't make any sense. Okay. Presuming he's never seen the show. That's a lie. I'm going to go on The Bachelorette. I should definitely never watch an episode of it. Every person in the fucking show has seen it once, guaranteed. Wow. -y. All right, we have a truth accusation, truth attack coming from Clues <laughs> post MOTF. Uh, uh, I can't help it. I get worked up. Uh, we then see Michelle speak with her father, and the dad asks, Has he indicated I want to get married right away? Michelle's like, No, but he did precog. We then see Nate speaking with the mom who says, you've never been in love before. And he says, you know, like, you learn about love in Hollywood films, but I trust myself when I look in Michelle's eyes. <laughs> I just, I had extremely high expectations for Nate's MOTF performance. And this was, um, it was tough to watch. That's what I'm saying. It was one of the worst MOTF performances we've ever seen. And I can't reconcile that with how good of a player he is, yeah. especially when it comes to like charming people. Oh, that's why you think it's a conspiracy? No, I think it's his strategy was to tank this part on purpose so that he had somewhere to go, somewhere mm -hmm. to build up to. Because you watch Brandon come through here. It's like you don't have any upward trajectory when you're just like, everyone loves me. Everything was great. There is nothing for me to overcome. So on tonight's date, as we're going to get to, I'm just going to keep saying the same things. I love you more than anyone. Everything's going to be great. There's there's no yeah. momentum there. I love you even if you break up with me. Right. 
He doesn't have to make any changes to impress her. He doesn't have to have like the last piece of the puzzle. His puzzle is already complete. His puzzle is one piece. It's not even a puzzle. It's just a picture. (laughs) (laughs) Roasted. It's just just my theory. (laughs) But we get some more conversation with Nate and Michelle's mom. And he's floundering just again and again in this. And he says, you know, saying the one is cliche, but his mind and his heart are pointed at Michelle. He missteps and he says he doesn't take love seriously. And Michelle's mom even kind of makes fun of him and and then point blank tells him that she doesn't think he's ready for an engagement. (laughs) This is a straight rebuke. This is an attack against the whole premise of why you're even in this game. And she says she's not 100% sure that he's in. And he's like, no, I definitely am. I'm ready to get down on one knee. And then this is an interesting thing that Michelle's mom did. She asked how he would feel if she doesn't choose him. This is not an attack that I think I've ever seen before. No. It's it's kind of a heartbreak attack, but it's also slightly a 4TWR attack because as we know in our beloved game, if you look at any other option, any other possibility outside of walking away with a ring, you think about, oh, I could be the bachelor, go on paradise or whatever, what it might look like if you get broken up with. If you discuss that at all, that's an error. They're going to punish you for that. Oh, yeah. You can't say, if she doesn't choose me, first sand, baby. (laughs) 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 Nothing but Nate on that sand. Yeah. If she doesn't choose me, San Diego, get ready. You got a new member of the crew. (laughs) I mean, that would have been incredible. He turns to camera. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Looks right into camera. But instead, he just says, well, getting broken up with wouldn't be fun. And... Michelle's mom is like, yeah, you're not really open with your emotions. So this has gone about as bad as we think it can, other than like outright insulting people. And then Michelle's mom ITMs that she didn't get the feeling that Nate is ready to propose and she worries he might hurt Michelle. And then we cut back to the studio and get this strange thing to end portion two. Just an image of these snowshoes by a fireplace in the middle of the audience. Oh, I didn't see that. I thought you were I thought you were talking about what we opened portion three with. Oh, my God. Forever let portion three be known as the company portion in this episode. And maybe it will be for all time. Maybe they'll be doing this every season now. But there were so many things that happened. I wrote Wowie 20 times. I did pick one moment, but I just I couldn't believe that it it's getting to this point because we talk about it on the show, like the company players and drinking mm-hmm. the sauce and how they uphold the lies of everything. And the producers manipulate all the people who who are podcast hosts on happy hour and clickbait and whatever. But then you see this and you're like, I don't even think we know the half of it. This shot, the opening shot of portion three is a tight close up of two people just fucking going at it, making out. Tongue in. Tongue in, as they say. Hard. These two people are GSJ and Serena Pitt. Hardcore making out, close up right on their faces. We pull out to see they've got fucking Polly there, dressed up as like an elf, holding mistletoe above their heads. He's earning his keep. And this is what it means to be a company player. So in order to get this shot, producers come over to GSJ during the commercial break. This is a live show. And they say... You guys start fucking making out. Polly, hang the fucking mistletoe over their heads. We need to show people that your love is real. You're going to do it. And then they do it. They have no choice here. Big Polly, you hold the mistletoe for the bachelor royalty. 
Can you imagine if GSJ or Serena Pitt had been like, oh, we don't really want to make out on camera? Do you think they wanted to? No, they have to do everything they said. Or they're just like, we have to do it. GSJ had Kendall come in right before his proposal. He just he just takes it. God, I know. I know. And it's like, I can't begrudge the guy. He's got one point whatever million Instagram followers. He makes great sauce. He's selling out his sauce at all times. The sauce is always sold out. <laughs> I mean, he really has... He didn't get a $200,000 check, but like, yeah, might as well have, you know, he got a million Instagram followers. Oh, yeah. He gets them all the time after. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to recover from this moment, but <laughs> Caitlin says we left off on Michelle's parents concern over Nate's readiness or her parents, right? Cut back to the finale. Michelle's with her mom. Her mom says he's a very nice guy, but it's a little he's a little harder to connect to with the feelings. He's, he's kind of not rocky, but I'm not feeling the warmth. I had to ask how he was feeling. Would he put you as a priority? Michelle says, do you think he's ready for an engagement? And her mom goes, to be honest, no. And I expressed that this produces tears in Michelle. And Michelle ITMs that her and Nate having a rocky conversation triggered something. Maybe I'm more into him because I'm scared of losing him. I'm more scared of losing him than he is of losing me. I deserve to be in a relationship where someone loves me as much as I love them. So these are the promos that have been subtly tricking me before this. Not to the point where I didn't think Nate was going to win, but I was like, Mm. is there going to be a twist? No, there's not. Nate thinks that it's gone well and tells Michelle, your mom is a straight shooter. And I like that. Although she looks pissed. (laughs) Yeah. And Michelle said, they want someone who's going to treat me well. Stick around. You can say it, but they have to feel it. And Nate says, I said this to your mom. I definitely do love you a lot. He says, this is what I want. And Michelle says, are you sure? And Nate says, I'm 100% in this. And the ITM is disappointed that her mom had that takeaway. And then we get a little thing where Michelle goes back to her parents. And her parents are basically saying they want her to have all the things that they have in their relationship. But no matter what happens, they're going to support whatever decision she makes. Michelle gets some tears. They get a big family hug as her mom is ITMing fear about that heartbreak for Michelle. By the way, they do a family hug, which I thought was cute. Yeah, I like that family hug very much as well. And then portion four begins. We're back in the studio. We hear sleigh bells and there's Kaylin Bristow. She's standing in the middle of the studio and she tells us that everyone in the audience is tested (laughs) negative for COVID, but just to be safe, Everybody will now remain masked through the rest of the show. And she sort of infers they're hearing it, I guess, on Twitter. We, I mean, what the fuck is going on? None of these people were wearing masks in the beginning. We literally saw GSJ and Serena Pitt exchanging bodily fluids sitting in a crowd of unmasked people. What is happening here? We've already seen the Bachelor Royalty foreplay amongst all of the gem-toned audience members. They've probably been there for hours already. There's no point to this. It's just the image of it. It is the lie of the show that we give a fuck about COVID. They clearly don't. Maybe they did test negative for COVID and that's all fine. But the the masks going on these people is just visual. That is it. And they're doing it here, but they're also making her talk about it. That is fucking bizarre as shit to me. I did not understand this at all, unless it's like what you're saying. On Twitter, it started being like, oh my God, Omicron's going around and nobody's wearing masks in that whole studio. And they were just like, fuck it, put masks on them. I'm assuming that did happen. I haven't checked the the social social medias, but 
Yeah. It is weird to acknowledge that mid episode and change it. And suddenly everyone is in masks and it's just like, I don't know. I think you double down if, if people are commenting on it, just fixing it. I mean, I guess for public health. Yeah. But, but the damage is done. Like you're saying, those people have been in a holding cell for eight hours already breathing on each other. Like it doesn't, none of this matters. And if they've tested negative, it's like, I don't know. It was a bizarre moment, but then we get back into the show and we go on our final dates. Now, Brandon is pondering as the ITM seeing himself on one knee and how much he likes her family. He's feeling wonderful. He says, and we get final date. Number one, this is going to be a beach jet ski picnic day. And we see Brandon meeting Michelle on this date. He jogs up to her. She offers no approach. He comes to her and he tries to lift her into a huju. And we get what I thought was a kiss of death. The Madison Pruitt dead-leg Christian huju. He lifts her up. She does put her arms around his neck, but her legs remain straight. Mm-hmm. Not only that, she crosses her feet over one another. It's even worse than the Madison Pruitt dead-leg huju. <laughs> Can't pry him open. Chastity belt. (laughs) (laughs) She she does the chastity belt. At least in Madison Pruitt, she just kind of kicked her heels up. In this one, she crosses her ankles. A further insult to the subsupport. Not only does she refuse to offer any form of leg cling in this, what is, I don't know if it's a botched huju. I don't know if we call this a huju, but she actively locks her legs together to make sure there's no chance of leg cling. And I thought this was going to be the worst huju we saw all night. But she did another one to Nate, just like it, a little bit later. But the two of them walk hand in hand on the beach as she ITMs, really falling for Brandon. She doesn't want to be LL3-ing, though, going into engagement. She wants to be LL4, she says. And she's excited that today might be the day she raises from LL3 to LL4. They approach some jet skis. And as they jet ski around, she trumps up some ITM about needing someone to challenge her to stay in the moment and that he makes her feel safe and taken care of. It's just all bullshit. Like they just need some filler here. The producers are just getting her to say these platitudes. None of it makes any sense. And then on the beach, they take a break from jet skiing and they have a little impromptu picnic. And Michelle tells him that her family has never liked somebody that much. And Brandon tells her that her mom said she wanted him to be there at the end. And he compliments her dad on his laugh. So he's still playing this hardcore 4TRR. I'm mm-hmm. the son-in-law. It's already happened. Your your parents have already absorbed me into the family. And we get some more kissing. And he ITMs that his main focus and goal is to marry her at the end. That's my future wife, he says. And this is, uh, again, about as good as a date portion could go. No hoodoo, but other than that, great. Other than that, other than the subsport. Portion five, we get the night portion of Brandon's last date. He's lighting his own candles in his hotel room. And Michelle cheers to starting this journey, not knowing anything about each other, to getting to this point where we can see a future with each other. Michelle says, today was one of my favorite days. There's been a lot of funny memories. What has been your favorite moment? This felt like such a teacher question to me as well. Yes. (laughs) He says, other than meeting you for the first time, Well, when your parents came up, and I did not expect that, I met them in one of the weirdest, worst ways possible. (laughs) On The Bachelor. (laughs) Lol. Michelle says, my favorite moment was when you pulled me aside at the last rose ceremony. So maybe I take it back. It shouldn't have been the error of the game, his Hail Mary. See, we're going to get to it. Like, I think that his Kringle of the note, or at least what he wrote in the note, Mm -hmm. was the error of the game. And we will get to that. Well, no, I'm talking about the the earlier Hail Mary. The rose ceremony, Hail Mary. 
the one that he did during Fantasy Suites. That's yeah. what she's referencing here. But it's a direct correlation to what he said in that note, which was oh. a version of a Kringle Hail Mary right. that he pulls in tonight's episode, which we will get to. But she, yes, she says this was one of the most meaningful moments because she needed someone to check in with her and he checked in. And then he says, you know, I have something for you. And he takes her into his bedroom, sits her on the fucking bed. And this man gives her one more Kringle. This man has Kringles out the ass. He is never at a loss for a fucking Kringle. It's like every time he sees her, she's getting fucking Kringled. He's the Kringle King. It's his love language. Kringles. It absolutely is. There's no doubt about that. He gives her the shirt that he wore in the fantasy suite the one that is stained with the food from their food fight. Their horrible food fight. Hideous food fight. <laughs> and then she ITMs, they get a little kiss. And, uh, you know, this is also reminiscent of exactly at this same time, Michelle Young cringled Matt James with jerseys, matching jerseys. And she ITMs that all these small moments make her realize how much she cares about him. Back on the couch, she tells her that the engagements are right around the corner. He ill force her. <laughs> And she says, well, there's been something that's been weighing on her. He's been open and vulnerable with her. And she is not falling in love with him anymore. She's in love with him. She LL4s him back with a big kiss. And he tells her he doesn't want to go through life without her. He loves her too. We hear these big orchestral swells here. They're building this motherfucker up to have the biggest fall of all time. <laughs> Everything they're doing in the music cues, the edit, it's all to make us feel like, oh my God, he's the one. And of course, that's not what's going to happen. And then he ITMs to end this portion that the next time he sees her will be on a knee. He's going to marry this woman. Is he in portion number six? Oh, my God. I forgot that this happened. We open on Polyclaws grabbing a fistful of candy, putting it on a plate of spaghetti and then pouring maple syrup on it at a weird festive desk on the side of the studio stage. And this is the first movie reference now that they're going to have Big Polly doing throughout the course of this entire show. He's going to do several more. These are all Christmas movies. This one obviously is Elf. He's dressed as an elf also. He's not Polly Claus at this point. He's Polly Elf. I'm so sorry. Polly Elf. Yeah, he's doing a thing that Will Ferrell did where he, he eats his spaghetti with like candy and um, syrup in it. Why? Why did they do any of this? Any of these movie references? I don't know, but I really enjoyed it. <laughs> there is somebody in their marketing department, some producer, someone who likes doing these weird movie references. Who is a thousand years old. I mean, Elf isn't like so old. That's kind of a, at this point, a traditionally love Christmas movie. I'll go along with that. I just don't understand its relevance to The Bachelorette in any way. I feel like they were like, you know what? We need to do something. This has been a, you know, our ratings are, are bad. Let's make it a Christmas special. Oh, that's great. It'll be a Christmas special. Put candy cans in the, in the font and lights and Santa hats. But then some other executive had to be like, and wait a minute, what if we did this? <laughs> okay, we get Big Polly, right? And we dress him up like Elf, and we dress him up like the kid from Christmas Story, and we dress him up like Home Alone. We have Big Polly reenact things from these Christmas movies. And they're like, yeah, that's a great idea. What? What the fuck are they thinking? I, I didn't, it was only confusing every time I saw it. I just didn't get it. I was confused. I've seen Elf. I didn't remember what this was a reference to. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, also Big Polly doesn't, you know, in some cases, like when he did the Home Alone one, I guess that's like a famous 
face play, obviously. Oh, I only am now realizing what that was. I thought he was trying to be a meme. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. I literally was like, Big Polly's doing what I did in the audience, trying to get on camera, be a meme, make a big face. <laughs> he was. He was Big Polly's face playing left and right tonight. But then Caitlin Brewster welcomes us back and reminds us that Michelle's in love with two men, but only one will win her heart because this is The Bachelor and there can be only one. There can be only one. The final date, number two, begins. This is Nate, the daytime date. He ITMs that this day's important because it's the last time he's going to see her before engagement or heartbreak. He walks up to her and she delivers a very similar dead-legged hooju with ankle lock. Again, we get no information from her hoojus. She's playing it very close to the, the <laughs> chest at this point. And I wish we would have seen a little bit better hooju, but whatever. We got what we got. She doesn't want to spoil the season for you. Thank you. I appreciate that, Michelle, <laughs> if you're listening. They walk into the trees as Nate ITMs that he would be heartbroken if they don't end up together. And we hear the tones of a flute being played as they emerge from the forest to find Raul, a local shaman standing in a sacred location where he says he's going to help them get ready for marriage. And this is a an exact replica of the date we saw Mari Pepin and... That was a bruja. Oh, I'm sorry. That was a bruja. Kenny. Yeah, Kenny Brash and Mari Pepin, sorry. In Bachelor in Paradise Season 7, they did the exact same date where they had a shamanistic figure, that one a bruja, this one a shaman. A spirit guide, yes. They had a spirit guide literally having them burn smoke on each other to cleanse them of ill feelings toward the relationship or blockages that they had. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what happens here. Once again, less than three months after we saw it happen in Bachelor in Paradise. If you got strong wall play, but you want this couple to be together, bring in a spirit guide. Tear down those walls with smoke. That's what they do here. Michelle says she wants Nate to open up and give effort, even though love can be very scary. Then Nate smokes her up and he says he hopes that he can set the intention of their relationship to continue to go in the direction it's been going. So we're getting this idea now that there's these walls that Nate has, these emotional walls. His parents brought those up with her as well. And this is the beauty of what he's doing here. He's giving himself an obstacle to overcome. He's giving himself one final step that needs to be taken in the narrative of this so that Michelle Young will feel like he has made progress. Brandon doesn't have that ability. He's he's progressed to the end of his emotional levels. I Again, I was shocked by Nate's performance. At one point, he says, I want to release the nervousness and the fear of the unknown. Is that good? I wrote, where's the charminence? I did too. I said floundering here. But we do get Raul saying that there's a blockage in Nate's brain. That, I believe, is a producer-fed line. They are helping him further mm. the narrative that he is blocked, that he is emotionally closed off. And Michelle ITMs that she didn't get enough from him during the ritual. And if he stops putting an effort to pull his walls down, that's going to be a deal breaker for her. And this, this really, for me, is the time when I'm wondering, like, is the entire Terminance empire he has built over the course of the season crumbling? Or is he erecting a wall around it that he now will bring back down and reveal the Terminance once again to magically dazzle Michelle? I'm at this point. This is the, the only point where I'm really like, fuck, I wonder. Where I didn't think I knew exactly what was happening. Oh, you questioned it. I mean, that's just good producing. Portion seven, <laughs> we leave on that cliffhanger. Michelle, ITM, she has this red flag with him, wants him to break through those barriers. Are you really ready for this? And Michelle tells him, I feel like this is the perfect date for us. Getting in touch with your vulnerable side can be so difficult. And the opinion of her parents is so important. They have seen her hurt the deepest. 
they want to feel that you're ready and would take care of me when I'm hurt, when I'm down. And Nate says, that's the truth. You're someone I want to be next to, want to do the real world with. That is where my heart is. I told your mom it would suck. (laughs) He says then, I never told you this, but I came here with two suits. I don't know what I was expecting, but what are the chances of me being here at the end, madly in love with you, wanting to spend the rest of my life with you? And it's terrifying. This really could be it for me. I could start the rest of my life with you and be the happiest guy in the world. Scared as hell. When all you think about is life with somebody and there's a chance that could get ripped away. Heartbreak. It was beautiful. I called this, by the way, the two-suit admission. I believe that that is going to be a play we see in the future. And I don't know if it'll exactly be two suits, but this idea that you come into the game not expecting anything and you have some proof of that. I only brought two suits because I thought I was going to last two weeks is what he's basically saying. And now here he's made it all the way to the end. The two suit admission, in my opinion, is something that has been added to the game tonight as a result of this because it did exactly what she was asking for. It showed that he was vulnerable, that he is scared, And she all but says that after this. This was almost my play of the game. This is like my runner up. It was almost mine as well. Yeah. Michelle says, this is what I wanted. When you're hurting and scared, I want to hear it. So when I'm hurting and scared, I want you to know it. Nate says, I'm crazy about you. The world needs to know. They make out. He says, I love you. She love level force. I'm back. He says, it still feels so crazy to say that. And we, (laughs) there's a reference I did get. We cut back to the studio Santa Polly Claus holds a sign and does the Love Actually reference, Bachelor Nation, you are perfect, we'll be right back. That one was very well done. Yeah, that one was okay. I mean, they just, again, they put this dude to fucking work. In every one of these portions, he's doing one of these movie things. And he has to change his outfit. Yeah, he was doing more wardrobe changes than Caitlin Bristow was, Mm -hmm. for sure. She was in the same suit all night. I think they should have had them together do a little bit. She's more of a comedic persona. Yeah, Caitlin kind of shit on him. Everyone, We'll get to the point where he does the Christmas story one where she's like, wow, he really went for it. Yeah. Like she was kind of shitting on the whole idea of it, I think, which was interesting to me. At any rate, support for today's episode comes from One Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to want to hear about One Skin's scientifically proven topical supplements. This is face, eye, body, shield, And it can all be used with any of their other products, which are free from over 1,500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red, irritated, or itchy. Their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons they've earned the Skin Safe seal of approval. You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got going on. And OneSkin was founded by an all-woman team of scientists Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Uh, Their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. Clues. 
Mm-hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find Ooh. the perfect T-shirt. Yeah. Um, because it's spring. I'm ready to get out there. I'm ready to peacock. Luckily, the perfect T-shirt does exist, and you can find it at Skims. From cropped silhouettes to long-sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend t-shirt in onyx. That's kind of a dark black color. And the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in kyanite, which is kind of like a blue green. And they're both so comfortable. It's basically like you are wearing nothing. Great for free spirit types. Well, for all the free spirits out there right now, you can shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes XXS through 4X. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Again, that's Skims. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year is flying by. We're almost halfway through it. Now, I've done a lot of things that I'm proud of this year. A lot of them related to gore. We've had some great interviews. We're kicking it up a level to get on YouTube. We're really taking it to the next place. But there's still a lot that I would like to accomplish this year. And when life is moving fast, it's important to take a moment to celebrate your wins and to make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you take stock of your progress and then set achievable goals for the next six months so that you get all those things done that you want to get done. Lizzie talks about all the time how beneficial therapy has been for her. My friend Will on my other podcast talks about it all the time, and I agree. It is very good. It's a great tool to be able to talk things out in your life with somebody else who can set you on the right path to getting all those goals accomplished. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash game of roses okay portion eight begins it is night we get the mikasa portion of this date there's a full moon out as nate is uncorking some wine and he itms that he's freaking out this is his last conversation with her until the proposal she comes in they sit on his couch and she tells him that she's stressed out there's a lot going on obviously and he tells her that he doesn't want to be anywhere else other than with her He feels good about his conversation from earlier that day, and he's happy about having the conversation with her mom, which led him to finally be expressing himself in the way that he needs to. So he's calling back to this meeting of the family that was a fucking disaster, or at least as it was depicted to us. And he's saying, even the bad part about it, this conversation with your mom made me realize that I need to fucking be open with you. Mm -hmm. And he says he's never been more certain about someone. She point blank asked him about an engagement and a proposal, and he says he thinks it's okay to be scared. And all he thinks about is life with her. And what's scary is looking at her, knowing when he wakes up the next day, he might not ever be able to say her again. As crazy as it is to get on one one knee, he says he's ready to do that because he wants it and he wants this to be forever. And he holds on to how he feels about her in these moments. 
He LL4s her again. She returns it. We get a kiss. She ITMs that all she needed was this last piece from Nate. And she saw it. Any fears or doubts she entered the night with have been resolved. She trusts her heart. And her heart is telling her that Nate is her person. This was my play, 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 play of the game. This final conversation, whether he set all this shit up or not, I don't know. With the walls and the family and the fucking over the terminants, here he plays a version of terminants that has vulnerability in it. He's able to lower the charm enough to be vulnerable, to say, I'm scared of losing you and I want to be with you forever. It was just perfectly done. Mm-hmm. He gave himself this, this last little spike of like, oh, walls are up. Nope, now I'm taking them down. Just, I mean, he did not make a misstep this entire fucking season. This was his last play and it was fucking beautiful. I loved it. It was a pleasure to watch you play, sir. He's not quite done playing. He has one last play to come, but we'll see what that <laughs> might be. Uh, Michelle goes back to her hotel room, and there's an envelope at the door, and it's a shock. It's a letter from Brandon, a written Hail Mary, and this letter says a lot of stuff. But it includes (laughs) a world without you is a world I fear to face. You've truly infected me with your love. I don't believe it's easy or common to find in a lifetime. I will always place your happiness above mine. You'll never need to ask for my love. I see you and I'll always see you. Love, B. Michelle ITMs, I have two men and I'm in love with them both. It's still up in the air. But also in this letter, he says he trusts whatever decision she is going to make. And the letter itself is not my error of the game, but what he said in it is my (laughs) error, 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 error of the game. It's the same thing. We talked about this up top. It's the same thing that he did when he took her aside in the fantasy sweet rose ceremony. He said, whatever decision you make, I support you. I'm going to love you no matter what. He says the same thing in this letter right before she's about to make the biggest decision. This is actually, you're playing a pure 4TR strategy. This is when you table turn. This is when you say, look, I've been here for you. I've done all this shit and you always have my support. But now in this moment, I need to know from you that you feel the same way about me. That's okay to ask after you've done a full season of a 4TRR play. He misses the opportunity here and we obviously know what happens. He's, he's giving her the green light to dump him. In this letter. It's in fucking writing. You never want to give the lead an out. This is a direct out. I agree it's an error. But I don't think you want to force the dumping before the final rose ceremony. I think the strongest heartbreak edits are at the final rose ceremony. Oh, absolutely. We come back into portion number nine. We see Michelle pondering with a mug in bed. She says she's still emotionally torn. We see her pretending to put makeup on even though it's fully done. She puts on earrings. We see... Nate pondering shirtless on the balcony. And then Nate meets Neil Lid, who says, you're tall. Have you ever been in love before? The Anytime we see the demon Neil Lane, it's a, a joy for me because this is when the most overt acting is required of the, the two finalists. <laughs> These rings are already selected by Michelle. She has already chosen, here's the ring I want. Make sure Nate gets it. So... 
that's done. And the same will be told to Brandon, I believe. They'll say this is the ring she wants because they have to make him believe that he's not walking into an execution. So the two leads or the two players here have to act like they're actually making some kind of a selection. They are not. But I thought Nate did an okay job. We then see Brandon get ready. And while Michelle says Brandon's been a person who's all in the entire time, this is what I've been asking for. There's a lot of love between us, a phrase which is, you know he's not winning. We see him pondering, him tossing his hair. He says, my past 27 years have been nothing until I met her. He's full drama. And he meets Neilene. And Neil is like, how did you know she was the one? Or how did you know you loved her? He says, the first time I met her. <laughs> Have you ever been in love? I thought I had until I met Michelle. Okay. <laughs> um, we see Michelle produce tears. She says, I deserve to put myself first today. It's something I've never done. But there's one person I would be devastated to live my life without. And we see Nate say, I found my person. I'm going to ask her to marry me. And we see Michelle say, at the end of the day, I have to follow my heart. And the best feeling is knowing that I'm never going to feel unseen again. So she's using this language that was in the Brandon letter. So we're made to believe, oh, she's going to pick the one who said he's going to make her feel seen. And at the very end of this portion, we see everybody gets in their cars. There's a few last minute ponders with the rings. The waves are crashing. And we see Michelle actually has to walk the path of pain to the final altar. And this path of pain is very precarious. This is one of my favorite paths of pain. Me too. It's stone, steep stone steps. If you make one misstep, that's a fucking twisted ankle, maybe a death. This is a good one. (laughs) Where they put the final altar, though, not a good one. We'll get to that in a moment. (laughs) I cannot believe how bad the producers are with audio this season. It's fucking unreal. I... Mind-blowing. We start portion number 10 not with the loud-ass altar but with santa Pauli claus he has now removed his tot he is in the audience and can i just read what i wrote please <laughs> i said he he now does a gifable reaction face in the crowd is this a reference to scream it's a reference to home alone the highest grossing <laughs> christmas film of all time Caitlin then tells us that Michelle's journey is about to come to an end and she doesn't know why she's nervous about these guys getting their heart broken. And Michelle strides to the final altar. It's kind of a shitty final altar, I would say, in terms of aesthetics. Obviously, we're going to get to the audio in a minute, but there's no fire pots. There's no interesting decorations. You got some big like potted plants and some driftwood. It's a little bare for my taste. I think they could have zhuzhed it up a little bit. But the final rose is sitting on the pedestal as Michelle is ITMing, not wanting to cause somebody pain who you love. The guys are still driving up to the spot, looking at the rings as they drive. And as we know, the first player to pull up is the one who's going to get executed. And that is Brandon. He meets Taitlin at the threshold of the path of the pain. They pretend not to know he's about to get executed. They force him down the path of pain and he rounds the corner. By the way, this path of pain is, is one of my favorite ones, the long one. I'm now calling it a P.O.P. Pop. A pop. Pop walk. Brandon does the pop walk. He rounds the corner and they smile at each other, Michelle and he. And we'll find out in that moment, he actually knew that he was a dead man walking. Uh, (laughs) He he will admit that later in the after the final rose. But he meets her there and 
you can see it in her eyes too. I even wrote this note. You can see in her eyes that she's about to destroy him. She takes a deep breath as they're holding hands. And of course, the producers have made both of these player and lead have to deliver their speeches. So she lets him say his entire speech. We can barely hear it over the roaring waves <laughs> that are three feet away from the altar. Uh, I don't, I'll just never understand this. The producer scouted that location and said, yeah, this will work. They didn't take any sound people or they themselves have no understanding of how sound recording works, I guess, because they chose to erect the altar there. And it is, this is by far the worst of all of the bad places to record audio that they've had this entire season. It seems like these producers just don't understand it. They wanted to focus on the POP. Yeah, they really like that stone staircase. Yeah. But even that, like, okay, have them go down that staircase and then like, there's got to be some other area that's not literally five feet from fucking crashing waves against rocks. I thought it was very funny. I've enjoyed the sound work. Oh God, it's, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Let me hear what they're saying, especially in these fucking moments. These are the most important things that these players are saying the entire season. And her responses as well. The most important thing she's saying. I think Brandon said that uh, Michelle's special and she's his missing piece and he doesn't want to spend another second without her. You don't have captions on? No, I don't like to mar the image. I like to see the document as it's presented. Oh my God. Well, I'll tell you everything. Please. He said, from the first time I laid my eyes on you, I want you to know I truly saw you. From the first time I talked to you, I knew you were someone so unbelievably special. People always talk about love. I found that missing piece. I found that with you. I found something so unbelievably special. I don't think I'll find again. I don't want to spend another second without you. I don't want to walk another day. I don't want to wake up another morning without you. I would be the luckiest man to walk this earth if I got to walk it with you. That's pretty good. And she says, I've truly never met someone like you. I meant what I said about loving you, but... And then he looks away in a 40RR moment of pain promised myself I would continue to follow my heart. It's not that I don't love you because I do. My heart is pushing me in a different direction. I have to go with what I feel. She, with what I feel. She produces tears. I'm glad you had the captions on because I literally could hear nothing of what she said. Her response to him. Well, she says it hurts so much to say because you're an un this unbelievable person. You truly will always have a piece of my heart. I'm sorry that I can no longer hold yours. I'm pretty 40 hour jumping. And he says, I truly wish you nothing but happiness. I truly mean that, even if it's not with me. Reiterating the, the letter, you've been worth it every second. Giving you my heart was worth it. Something I'll never regret. I will always be here for you. He's 40RR, even post-mortem. And then she sort of drags him off the altar. Yeah. She's like, and it's time. <laughs> and they walk just a little bit over in the sand. Usually... When you get dumped, you have to leave the altar by yourself and return to the path of pain. Here, she gives him an escort back to the POP, the pop, and they LL for each other one last time. We get a bunch of tears and they hold hands as they walk toward the surf. One last hug. And then he ITMs that he is so broken. He gave it everything he had. He saw a future with her and it's gone like that. No matter how painful it is, though, he's still thinking about her and her happiness. And that's what's going to sting the most. And it looks like we get the shot of him throwing something into the ocean. Was it the ring? Well, by the way, when he produces tears, I was like, this is Belakai, like a girlfriend level. We're getting veins. He's like seeming to really lose it. And Michelle's also crying. He's crying and swearing. He says, this sucks. I'm so fucking hurt. You know, I gave everything I had. I'm just so broken. I truly believed I was going to spend every waking moment with her. I saw a future there. I've never that I've never seen with anyone in my life and it's gone like that. And 
He says, my heart is on just on the floor in fucking pieces. At the end of the day, I'm still thinking about her and her happiness. That's just going to sting more. I truly was so deeply in love with her. And then I think he throws a rock. I hope it was the ring. I want it to be the ring. Like, what do they do if in a moment Ooh. of turmoil, you throw the ring into the fucking ocean? I, can you be held responsible? Ooh. Would they sue you for that? Experimental play for whoever the next runner up is. Go ahead and do that. And then he gets in the car and that's it as he's crying. And I don't agree with you. I don't think this was worse than Belakai. I didn't say wor- worse than. I said it was on Belakai level. Yeah, I don't know. Belakai to me was like, that seemed worse. But nonetheless, this was a bad one. He gets a, a big victimization here. And we begin portion 10. Back in the studio, Caitlin says this was one of the saddest breakups she's ever seen. But is Nate ready to propose? Or will Michelle's greatest fears come true? And we see two birds flying low over the water. Remember that opening shot was three birds, but now there's two, you understand. These dual birds symbolizing Nate and Michelle after having gotten rid of Brandon were my... Creature of the week. I love when they use creatures to mirror what's happening in the game or to give us some insight into birds and bees after fantasy suites or what have you. Absolutely love these birds. They were doing the exact right thing. Uh, The birds knew the producers are going to need a shot of two birds. Let's be those birds. Thank you, birds. These birds were almost creature of the week. Runner up. We see a shot of Michelle crying, and then we see her say, Nate is her person. And we see Nate with the Ultimate Girl Gang. He ITMs, he found his forever person. His heart and mind are completely in sync. He's so close to having the best case scenario realized. He walks the POP. He approaches Michelle. You look amazing. Wow. And I'll just tell you everything that was said. because <laughs> I could kind of hear him. That's his charm and it's coming through. Even his voice is clearer. <laughs> oh, oh, you're synced into that. <laughs> well, he says, Michelle, the very first night I met you, I knew right then and there that we had a connection I wanted to hold on to. The second night we ran away together. I'm standing in front of you saying, I want to run away with you forever. You're the woman I've come to love, this amazing, crazy, wow kind of love. Through this journey, you've shared a lot of vulnerable sides of the past, felt unseen at times. I'm completely prepared, willing, and able to make sure you are always chosen for seen now, today, tomorrow, and the rest of our lives. I love you, Michelle. And this running away intro to his proposal was my... Play, 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 play of the game. We have had a lot of proposals, and a lot of them are the standard fare. I love this calling back to that sweet, sweet play he did where they ran away and they isolated during a cocktail party. It just, you know, it... It's a great metaphor, and I love to see that come up again in the proposal. Yes, I agree. This was a great proposal speech. Wasn't my play of the game, but you know, (laughs) at this point, he's kind of back to Charminance a little bit. You can see he's a little bit nervous, but like the Charminance is back. He's turned it back on. Yeah. 100%. He's got his mojo back. (laughs) Michelle says she felt a connection. And her fear was she wouldn't be as loved as much as she loved the other person. And she had fear with him. 
but she's not willing to face the fear of walking away with this from this without him because she's never felt a love like this before. I love you with my entire heart and don't want to think about waking up next to anyone besides you, doing life with anyone besides you. In the end, I wanted to be standing in front of my soulmate, and he's definitely standing right in front of me. So she's hitting her brand of soulmate again. Love that. And then he yell affords her, gets on that knee, launches that proposal. We see the sparkler. She accepts, puts the ring on the finger. He picks her up. He says he's the happiest guy in the world. She gives him that final rose. And we've never seen this, but I would have liked Nate to have done this. I would have liked him to have said, fuck the rose, I got the ring and throw the rose into the ocean. I just want to see somebody throw something meaningful into the ocean at some point. Yeah. You got a couple of choices. The ring, the flower. Light that rose on fire. Might as well. You got the ring. Throw it in the torch at the altar. And then we get a cute little moment in the end. We just got engaged, and now I can scream it. This is my fiance. And she's like, scream it louder. This is my fiance. And then the mariachi band comes out seemingly of the sea. Did they make them walk the POP to serenade these two, the ring winner and our our most recent lead? No, they had a different path for the instruments, right? I don't know. But this was a Jorge Moreno bystander of the week from a few weeks back. And then Taitlin emerges onto the beach screaming to congratulate them. We see a bunch of kisses. And then we go directly into the craziest hour of Bachelor in recent memory. <laughs> this is the after the final rose. We are already an hour and 13 minutes into this recording. I don't know how much longer this is going to go, but we have things to discuss. Our bad. Look, if it takes some time, it takes some time. Because what we're about to discuss, I don't understand still what we're about to talk about. Some of this for me is going to be working through things, okay? <laughs> because I don't quite get what we've seen. I am not your spirit guide, Clues. <laughs> I'm going to put some smoke on myself and get rid of my blockages. You have some blockages. Yes, I do. <laughs> so Caitlin emerges onto the set amidst masked audience members, and we're going to find out what Michelle and Nate are up to, she says, with their first public appearance as a couple. But first, we're going to hear from Brandon. For the first time since that devastating day, they bring him out. He gets his first hot seat Is Brandon. It's a heartbreak hot seat. And he basically is just playing this correctly. He's thankful for the support system that he had. He names a couple of guys from the show that helped him through it, his family's friends. He's doing good. And Caitlin says she produced tears during his breakup because it was so sad. And he explains that he just wanted Michelle to be happy and wanted the best for her. Goat tears. He congratulates Michelle and Nate. But in the moment, he said he felt like the world was ending. But the world has a, a weird way of working itself out. And he's thankful for her finding happiness. Caitlin keeps grilling him about how he was feeling and did he think it was going in his favor? And he gives this great answer about needing to do something you've never done if you want something you've never had. I thought that was a fantastic, very mm -hmm. quotable kind of line that he could use again in paradise if he wants to. He could do like an a inspirational speaker thing with Carl. <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah. <laughs> Just sort of these like life quotes and cheesy stuff. Maybe that will happen. We'll look for it in the near future. And then Caitlin throws to an image on a screen that she claims she took from her hotel room of Brandon sitting on a log staring into a sunset. Is there any fucking way on this planet she took that picture? Absolutely not. Straight lie. Absolutely. She did not take this photo. It is a gorgeous photo. Yeah, it's a great picture. It really, really encapsulates the beauty and the struggle as 
as Brandon says. But Caitlin ends this portion by asking him if he still loves Michelle. And he says he's always going to love her. Not in that manner anymore, but he will always love her. Portion 11 begins. Brandon's still in the hot seat. And Michelle emerges to some Christmas music to join him there. And they get their first conversation post-breakup. And he basically tells her he doesn't know what to say. He's thought about it a million times, but he wants to let her talk so that he can understand her perspective. And she does kind of a, a rambling explanation of how she was really in love with him. And it was hard for her because she didn't think it was possible to love two people, but she found out that it was. And she felt that by holding back her LL4 from him, that was not being sincere and she was not being vulnerable. And that's why she had to tell him, which is actually pretty standard now in the game. Like almost all leads fall in love with two people. I know. I, I didn't even understand why she was defending this. I didn't either. There's no need to. Obviously, she's she's responding to, I guess, people criticizing it. But yeah. Love level four, everyone. Love level four, three people. Be like Clado. Night one, as soon as they get out of the limo. <laughs> I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you. Brandon ultimately thanks her because he's never been that vulnerable in a relationship in his entire life. And it was hard watching because he was so beyond in love with her and her family. And he felt like his love was overlooked, but he didn't know the full story. He only knew his part. And uh, he says he knew she was going to break his heart because she shows her emotions through her eyes. And he saw it that day when he walked up to her in the final altar that he wishes them both the best. And he says he misses her parents a fucking lot and they bleep it out and we get a funny little moment about can you cuss on this or not? They missed the bleep when I was watching it. The bleep was after the fucking. Yeah. Brandon then does something here. You know, it's been a beautiful heartbreak reunion. You know, he's conveyed that he was hurt and he's asked questions, but he's happy for them and grateful for the experience. But then he he digs in a little bit here and he says, but you had to keep questioning Nate and his feelings for you. And this little dig by Brandon was my error, 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 error of the game. I feel like he had played like a perfect 4TRR game go after Nate in any way at this point, I don't think gets you anything. And yeah, it was just like a small moment, but there was a little bit of ego creeping into his game strategy. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I didn't like it either. But during this conversation, we get one shot, one very interesting shot where we see in the background behind Michelle Young's head, a couple members of the audience. These members aren't wearing their masks. That's because they're bachelor royalty Becca Kufrin and Thomas Jacobs, the big body trash can, they are making out during this hot seat. While Brandon and Michelle are talking about their emotions and how the breakup went, they are in the background making out maskless next to a dozen people forced to wear masks, not able to make out because they are not bachelor royalty. They are not company players. Clues, I did not realize that I was looking at bachelor royalty but this is the only image from tonight's three-hour ep extravaganza episode that I took a photo of, and I tweeted it, and I, <laughs> and I, I said, that feeling when the bachelorette heartbreak hot seat is your kink, thinking this is a strange couple that had just gotten aroused by this <laughs> tearful reunion between Michelle and her, her finalist. It was, though. That couple just happens to be Becca Kufrin and BBC, BBTC, sorry. I did not realize. I didn't realize it was Becca and Big Body Trash Kid. I didn't. Yeah. 
imagine if you're in the audience, you're like a paid extra, you're making $150 to be there for 10 hours. And they're like, now put on these masks and sitting one foot away from you are these two people just fucking going at it. Not even for a camera. It's not even for a bit. I have felt this like weird, like classism, like aspect of the pandemic where you're like going to places and the people who are working at them are masked and the people who are enjoying the event aren't. Yes. And you notice it a lot if you're watching Housewives during the pandemic. It's like everyone is masked except for the stars. Mm -hmm. And this very much felt like that. It was like, okay, these people don't have to wear masks. Yes. But also those people, they're not a true audience. They're actors. But they represent us. That's us. We're the audience. We're the fourth audience. That is our representation in the game at the the tell-alls and the after the final roses. That's how we get into the document, or at least a symbolic representation. So even in the Mm. symbolic representation, we are masked and the players are not. We are less than the players. Portion 12 begins. Nate comes out (laughs) for his hot seat. Or you go to a, a basketball game where a few people are masked, but mostly no one. Including the players. But still, it's like if you look at a like a Lakers game or whatever, and everybody has to be masked, even the celebrities sitting on the sidelines who are there mm-hmm. as parts of the audience are masked. Becca Kufrin, Big Body Trash Can, Grocery Store Joe, and Serena Pitt are in the audience. They are not on the stage with the players. They are in the audience, but they do not have to wear masks. That is a whole different thing, in my opinion. Yeah. They're not. They didn't even speak. God, they didn't. They only spoke in tonguing. Didn't they speak in the very beginning? How are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing pretty good. They had some dialogue in the beginning, I thought. At any rate, portion 12 begins. (laughs) Hot seat three. Nate is going to come out now and sit down next to Michelle. We get to see them as the couple for the first time. They do the obligatory happiness about not having to keep it a secret anymore. And Caitlin asked him what the proposal felt like. Blah, blah, blah. None of this is very meaningful. Nate said he knew he was falling in love after the basketball date and gives this analogy about listening to a song over and over and realizing it's your favorite song. And we get sort of an explanation by Michelle for like, he's learning to fall in love, add cameras and producers, but we're able to work through things. I get so many words of affirmation that I need to check myself. Like, what can I do for him that's romantic? She's like, tables have turned post-show. And then in the end of this, we see that Nate's mom and Michelle's mom are now best friends and Michelle's parents have welcomed him into their family. They love him now. And we're all heartwarmed. And Caitlin says at the end of this portion, they have a surprise for the lovebirds when they come back. And portion 13 of tonight's program is by far the craziest thing I have ever seen. Or portion four, however you want to... <laughs> for me, it's portion 13. However you're keeping track at home. That's right. <laughs> Whoever's keeping track of the portion numbers, it's either portion 13 or four, depending on how you split the three-hour extravaganza into one or two episodes. This is all very important stuff. We come back, and Big Polly is now the character Flick from A Christmas Story, the little kid who sticks his tongue to a frozen pole. And he's sitting there, his eyes are shifting around, and Caitlin Bristow even is like, wow, he's really going for it, as though she's making fun of it. They've paid this man to do this. They're forcing him to do this. He is a puppet to them just as Grocery Store Joe or Becca Kufrin or any of these other players are, just as Caitlin Bristow is to some degree. But we go back to the stage and they're still talking about how good it is to be out in public with their relationship. And Michelle says, Nate makes makes her feel seen. And they ask the question about who's moving where. Nate immediately says, I'm going to Minnesota. And they reveal that they're going to be house hunting because he wants to move there within a few months. So they've already been looking for a house. Christmas music kicks in. 
Big Pauly, once again, appears on screen. We just saw him with his tongue on a pole one second ago. He comes out now as Santa Claus. Second outfit change. In like 10 seconds. It's unreal. In one portion. The man can can really put on a new suit. Beyonce. He brings out this gingerbread house, and inside it, they open the roof. There is a fucking check inside this gingerbread house, which we find out because Michelle eventually says it loud enough to be caught on camera. Luckily, they didn't do this by the seaside. The check is $200,000 as a down payment for their first house. This is the first money prize we have ever seen in our beloved game. And I am immediately overwhelmed with a million questions. What are the rules for this money prize? That is a check. Is it made out to her? Is it made out to him? Is it made out to both of them? Do they have a joint checking account? What if they break up tomorrow? Do they get to keep that money? How long do they have to stick together before that money gets reverted back to the show? And why is it in a check? This first payment for winning the game in our beloved game's history was my wowie moment of the week. Wow. And there were a lot to pick from. I cannot get over this. I am picturing all of the other ring winners and their leads watching this and being like, Jason and Molly, we got a tent. We got a tent to represent our overnight. Hundred bucks, two hundred k. And it's like for a down payment for your house. How can they enforce that? What if they decide to live in an apartment mm-hmm. for a year? What happens to that money? This it just made no sense to me. I don't know if it's real. I don't. I have no idea what this is. But there, at this point, can never be an argument again for. I'm just coming here to find love because now if you win the ring, you're splitting $200,000 with the lead. Maybe it's for a down, a down payment on a house. I don't know. Again, plus the ring, plus the ring. Well, I mean, Nate doesn't get a fucking ring. She gets that ring, obviously. But mm-hmm. this $200,000, I think, is like given to them jointly, or at least that's what was presented here. So Nate just won $100,000. He deserves it. I agree. Played a great season. He absolutely did. Look, I think they should give money to the winners all the time. Why not? I'm very curious at the reasoning for this. I'm like, they're like, oh, we finally have a 4TRR couple or like, let's force them to stay together. What is the what is the reasoning for doing this? I'm not exactly sure. It may be a thing of like, these seasons have been so brutal, these bubble seasons, that they wanted to end this on like, look, we can be benevolent. We can be nice to these players. <laughs> and then, of course, the very next thing, which is going to be my wowie moment of the week, is fucking the exact opposite. So they give him this check. Then portion 14 begins. And Caitlin says, this is a man who does need an introduction because no one knows who he is. This is a written line that is a straight insult to Clayton. And Mm -hmm. it gives us some idea, I think, that the producers are setting up Clayton to be a sacrificial lamb. They're going to wreck this man in the edit. And we're going to see again. I mean, they wreck him right here. The very next thing that happens Mm -hmm. is Clayton comes out. He gets the fourth hot seat, sits down. And he says, oh, no booze or anything. And Caitlin's like, well, we had to talk everyone into cheering. They're just insulting him from the get-go. And it never, ever stops for his entire appearance here. Sometimes you see a lead come onto the show and they'll get to meet their first five players or whatever live on TV. That doesn't happen here. Mm. He sits down and she basically says, you know, uh, a lot of people don't like that you're The Bachelor. And I think we should face your haters head on like they do on Jimmy Kimmel. And she, in quotes, says she pulled a few of the more interesting comments about him, and then he's going to have to read them. 
This was my <laughs> wow moment of the week. Wow. Obviously, we have to. These, let's just read all five of these, if I may. And then let's just do them in order. I'm like, how do I even cover this? My mind right now is racing. It feels like it's fucking on fire. I thought that all of these things they flashed up on the screen were written by producers because there's no Twitter or Instagram account handles. There are no one's attributed with having written these. This is copyrighted material. If they are indeed written by other people that the show has stolen. They are. Well, we found out that at least one of them is. I don't know if they all are, but (laughs) the one that we know for sure is from someone, which we will get to in order. (laughs) They just took it. I don't think they paid that guy anything, which is not legal. That's a... Mm -mm. When you write that tweet, that is a piece of copywritten material that you own. Yeah, I don't get why they didn't put the handles up. I, like They were trying to not get people to retweet them, but you're calling attention to it and they can search those words. Oh, it's because they don't understand how social media works. The show time and time again proves it has n- zero grasp on how to use social media, how to treat it in the show. These aren't even tweets. They're, they're in quotes, comments, as they said, but they are tweets. Yeah, they're tweets. They're in that format. They have hashtags and shit. So the first one that they force him to read is they found 30 women desperate enough to date this guy wear hashtag quarantine goggles. And he has to just sit there and take it on the fucking chin. He should have, in my opinion, said, no, I'm not going to do that. And just sat there. I feel like I definitely feel like they were like, hey, so... We're getting a lot of backlash for you being the next Bachelor, but we have a really good idea that we're going to do. It's a way that like all celebs are basically able to like reverse their image and we're going to do this mean tweet thing. And he's like, all right, great. I'm game. Yeah. He's playing it like a good guy and he's self-deprecating and all mm-hmm. that. And they yeah. made many times, they made sure that he was like, okay with this in quotes on camera. But like, what choice did he have? I thought he played it well. I agree. I thought he played it the only way that he really could have, unless he wanted to do some like super alpha, like experimental play where he was just <laughs> like, nah, go ahead. You read him, Caitlin. I'm not doing that. What could they do? Yeah. Get people to really like him a lot. His show's in the fucking can. I'm very curious. I'm like, They've turned on their lead before, but yes. only Juan Pablo. And only after the half a season had gone by and shit yeah. started happening where he was like mistreating players. This is before his season even fucking airs. They make him come out and make a fool of himself. They could have easily gone a different direction and like play his intro package or play like an interview of him and his family or something like something endearing. Or play one fucking tweet that is complimentary of him. Offer a counter tweet. You can have him read the self-deprecating things and be like, some people hate you, but most of Bachelor Nation loves you. Here's, show me a big screen of a hundred things that are all complimentary. Overturn this narrative. The reason they're not overturning it is because I think they're going to ride it out. I think they are going to cut him very badly. I think they're going to destroy this man in the edit. I mean, the promo has, the promo has, seems to be eviscerating him. (laughs) I agree. Unfortunately, I now feel sympathy for this man in a way that I did not before after mm-hmm. tonight. Maybe it was a genius move. I don't know. Roses are red, violets are blue. <laughs> Clayton is the bachelor and I just puked in my mouth. Hashtag I can still taste it. Same kind of disembodied tweet with a hashtag. At this point, I'm really thinking the producers are writing all of these. Uh, but he plays along. He's like, that doesn't even rhyme. Then we get one. All I want for Christmas is Rodney, Rodney to be the bachelor. Hashtag Santa sucks. Whether the producers wrote this or not, 
The producers were the ones who made that choice. That one does sound made up. (laughs) They were the ones who chose Clayton over Rodney, and yet they're now putting the blame of that on Clayton. It's like, you're the bachelor, but we want somebody else. Clayton didn't fucking choose that. Yeah, answer for it. It's unreal. He also says in this, I was hoping Rodney would be bachelor. He could be down the the road. I'm rooting for it. It's fucking unbelievable. It's like the producers are trying to slough off responsibility for that choice onto the man they chose. Yeah. It makes... It makes me fucking crazy. I hope Clayton uses protection in fantasy suites or nine months later, a bunch of baby Shreks running around. I can't. Yeah, I can't believe they made him read these. <laughs> like, I can't either. That one wasn't even funny. He doesn't have to answer for anything. He hasn't done anything. And this is how they're this is the first time we've seen him in the, the current document as Bachelor. This is their introduction of this man. And then we see one that says, I care more about Panini the horse than Clayton, hashtag The Bachelor, with a production still of a picture of Panini. And this one is real. We know that for sure. Panini the horse is strutting his stuff in this mean tweet, shitting all over our next Bachelor. And that's why Panini was once again my... (laughs) Creature of the week. Panini, you did it again. You're the star of the show and also the star of Bachelor Clues is my 20-minute conversation before we started recording this (laughs) because this was a real tweet. I remembered having seen it. It is by Dan Emerson at DSCAPP. December 14th said, I care more about Panini the horse than Clayton. Puts a picture of Panini. Puts a picture of Clayton. And then tweeted two hours ago, that Panini tweet was me. OMG, what? Hashtag The Bachelorette. So at least that one is real, which to me is even crazier that producers had to then go through and handpick these tweets. They didn't write them. If they're all real and they didn't write them, they sat down, scrolled through to find ones that they were like, this will shit on him in just the right way. And then they put those up. Mm -hmm. And the last one is, hey, at Bachelor ABC, You heard us about the masks. Now hear us about Clayton. We don't want him. Listen to the people, which I guess is potentially referencing how they made the audience wear masks. So this is like a super recent one that was happening in almost real time. Yeah. Live tweet. I'm curious about that choice as well. (laughs) Draw more attention to the mask kerfuff. I guess they're trying to be like, look, we're listening. We're even going to post criticism of us. I I thought, and then Polly like comes out to hug him. And the crowd starts chanting his name. That's how they try to turn it around. It's like, yeah, everybody here likes him, these paid actors. This entire bit was miserable. It was contradictory to getting people excited about the season. And it doesn't give your lead any confidence that the producers are going to have his back. I don't like you're coming off the worst rated season in the history of the fucking show and how you want to lead into the next season. The return to the mansion, international travel is by starting out with a 10-minute segment of just openly shitting on your Bachelor. It makes no sense at all. Whoever is doing this, you you got to get different producers. ABC, if you're listening, please, Jesus Christ. You have to get people who understand how to build this thing because the people you got now are doing the exact opposite. You could easily spin the narrative and be like, look, everyone is shitting on him, but we picked him for a reason. Trust us you know, watch his journey. And this was an interesting part of it after 
Caitlin is like, it's fun to be in on the joke. I know you're self-deprecating. And Clayton says, I read everything. That was pretty PG for some of the things I've read. I hope people do give me a shot. My journey is authentic. I gave my very best. And he comes off for TRR in this, I thought. Yeah. But I also thought that was like, I read everything. You should not do that. (laughs) Stop reading. Yeah, definitely don't do that. Even Caitlin was like, oh, don't do that. She's already hip to that game. You know what I was most offended by in this, though? That they didn't show one of my memes. (laughs) Which which one do you think would have gone well with that? Must love Zaw part two. I like alien head. Must love Zaw. I made a bunch of memes on my account, which you can go to and look at it at Bachelor Clues that are their pictures that they used in that promo of Clayton where he's holding all the little puppies. And I redid them as like movie posters for various movies, one of which was called Must Love Zaw, where I changed all the dogs into pizzas. Yeah. And it was a romantic comedy where he owns a pizza shop. And I think it was Natalie Portman plays a pizza <laughs> reviewer. And he's trying to like win her over to get a good review and in the process falls in love with her. I would love to see that movie. I'm glad that your pizza work is back. I, I remember those Bachelor in Paradise seasons where you were working with Amanda Stanton and pizza and those were great. Yeah, I, I got pretty good at my pizza work and I will be reprising it for Bachelor season 26. I look forward to it. They should have put your meme. I think it actually would have gone well with the tone of this. Like, oh, people are making fun of Clayton, but it's fun. But they wouldn't be able to like they took all the fucking color out of the shit that they had in there because they got rid of people's names. Yeah. They made it these very generic things. They can't do that with a meme, obviously, but they should have. You wouldn't have gotten credit anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then we get a promo for Clayton's season. We have this kind of rockin' porn-style guitar anthem. We see some kisses, the mansion, roller coasters, beaches, swimsuits, international travel. There's a bounce house, waterfalls, Niagara Falls. There's the pretty woman date, tears, pool tables, He knows the one for him is in here somewhere. He's falling in love and it feels so good. Claws are coming out. Tears, rivalries, dry humping, cursing, tossing a trophy, ponders. He's in love with three women. At the Fantasy Suite Rose Ceremony, he tells them he is both in love with them and he was intimate with both of them. There's tears. They're sobbing. Clayton needs to leave in a pseudo fence jump moment. Clayton's in a church. There's still hope. He has a ring. The Bachelor, it feels like, is back to me from this promo, but you wouldn't know it from the way they just made him shit on himself in the after the final rose the women crying on the stairs like face down on the stairs and the woman say i've never felt pain like this before that's the sweet stuff yeah we're back <laughs> we will savor your suffering i'm telling you i know a lot of people don't like him obviously we saw these tweets and shit but fuck this is gonna be some high level play i saw a little bit of face play in that promo as well but then we come back to the studio and everybody's applauding including Polly claus who is up on stage with bachelor royalty and caitlin signs us off as rose puddles shower the crowd and nate and michelle are kissing and that is it i thought that was fake snow there were rose puddles i think it might have been both i liked this the the way they ended it kind of snl style who was your mvp i think i know (laughs) (laughs) nate olacoya was my M-M-M-M-M-V-P. I mean, MVP of the whole season. First impression rose, last final rose. And everything he got in between. I haven't calculated his rose quotient, but I think it's going to be pretty good. It's going to be sub two, which is uh, pretty astounding. So... Hats off to you, Nate. You you came in with charminance. You left with charminance. You 
took it down where you needed to, to have your walls with the family, to give us this last push, this last hurdle, this last obstacle for you to overcome, to finally win that ring. You got it. And you got a hundred K in your pocket. That ain't too shabby. You might need it because I don't know if you're going to hit 200 K Instagram followers <laughs> and ever be able to be a, uh, an influencer, unfortunately. And we're, we're going to be tracking, obviously all the Instagram numbers for the top players, especially Brandon Jones in the near future. I don't know if anybody else is going to even crack 100K. This season was the worst Instagram season we've ever seen. Clayton. Yeah, Clayton might. Horrible, horrible numbers all across the board. I feel bad for them. Maybe that's why they gave him the check. Yeah, they were like, we know you're not going to be influencers here. We want people to still come on the show even though they can't get in the 100K club. (laughs) This is what you could make in like a month and a half if you had 2 million Instagram followers like some of the others, (laughs) but sorry. Anyway, who was your MVP? For my play of the game, runaway proposal speech. For your play of the game, taking down his walls. For, I mean, conveying one of the most in love couples in the after the final rose we've seen in a long time. They seemed like the real deal of RR. Nate Alukoya was my M M M M V P. The best. I agree with you. They do seem very 4TR to me. I made a prediction in our pre-show live earlier that they wouldn't last more than a year. I don't know now. Yeah. That whatever they're doing on stage just convinced me. I'm like, fuck, they might actually work. <laughs> yeah, I think that might be wrong. <laughs> I think my final four prediction might be wrong based on the promo as well. <laughs> so yeah. We'll see about that. Because they're also like, if he's accurate, like they're moving to Minnesota and buying a house. They're not moving to LA. That's a whole different thing. Minnesota and LA. Yeah. Yeah, they are different. I'm saying usually when you get like a ring winner and the couple will move to LA for a minute and like see how things go, you know, it doesn't seem like they're chasing that, which is novel at this point, Mm -hmm. but that does it. That's the end of this historic Bachelorette season 18 that had so much in it, even though it had very low ratings, there's so many things that happened in it that have altered the the trajectory of the game forever. And it was a pleasure to cover them with you. You too, Clues. Next Monday, we are going to have a Patreon episode out that is about the top 10 most important things that happened in this season and how, in fact, it has drastically changed everything that's going to come after it. I love doing those top 10 episodes because it it really gives us a chance to focus in on the historical mm-hmm. importance of what this season did for the game, how it moved everything. And goddamn, there were so many good, interesting things that happened in this season. I mean, number one, pizza. A lot of pizza. The return of pizza. I made this joke in our Patreon live. Clues is still not laughing. What? <laughs> Never mind. Okay. <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> I know this was a long one, but we got through it. Thank you everybody for joining us as always. And also look forward to our episode this Friday. It's going to be Christmas Eve and there might be a little present for mm-hmm. you under the old gore tree. So keep an ear out for that. But before we go, as always, what is that? Dwabat. It has been 7,212 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be our beloved game. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. 
Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then Now you've heard me talk about Quince on this program before. I love Quince. I am right now, head to toe, dressed in Quince. I got their shirts, I got their pants, I got everything from Quince. Quince is my spot for quiet luxury without paying those luxury prices. Quince offers a range of must-have items like 100% European linen, under $50, luxurious mulberry silk skirts, and of course, Italian leather bags and 14 karat gold jewelry from, get this, $30. All their prices are 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And because Quince creates timeless classic styles that won't go out of fashion, you're going to have them in that closet forever, unless you wear them out, which I may because I literally wear them every day. I know you're wondering, how do they do it? Well, Quince partners directly with top factories to cut out the cost of the middleman, passing the savings right on to you and to me. What's even better, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium eco-friendly fabrics and finishes so you can feel good about getting high-quality items that are going to last you longer. Upgrade your closet this summer with Quince. Right now, go to quince.com slash roses to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash roses. We're coming out of spring and we're headed into summer. It's a great time of year. It's a time for renewal. For me, that means reconnecting with friends and family I haven't seen for a while. And when I do, I want to make sure I have plenty of wine on hand to celebrate with. That's why First Leaf is a great option. As America's most personalized wine company, First Leaf takes the worry and guesswork out of buying quality wines, especially if you're somebody like me who knows maybe a little bit about these things, but not enough, not enough to really make a great decision. They make the decision for you. To get started, you just answer some specific questions about your wine likes and dislikes on First Leaf's website. And these can be things that are about the people you're buying it for as well, if you're doing it as a gift. It only takes about five minutes to create your own personalized wine profile. Then you get your very own wine concierge who's going to use those responses to curate a customized selection of delicious award-winning varieties from rosés to sparklings and everything in between. It's all based on your personal preferences on those questions you answered. These hand-selected wines are going to be delivered to your door within a few days with each bottle priced lower than what you'd pay at a wine store. You even get to choose when you get the wine. Plus, Every selection is backed by First Leaf's 100% satisfaction guarantee. And if you have questions about your wines, like what to pair them with, for example, First Leaf's personal wine concierge team is there to offer that expert advice. So it takes all the guesswork out. I love reconnecting with friends and family over bottles of First Leaf wine, and I bet you'll feel that way too. So give First Leaf a try. Head over to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to sign up and save 50% on your first six hand-curated bottles plus free shipping. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash roses to save 50% 
on your first six bottles plus free shipping. Try firstleaf.com slash roses. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.